This Mother's Day, celebrate the extraordinary women in your life with a heartfelt gift from Blue Nile. Whether it's for your mom, a mother figure, or yourself as a mom, find that perfect piece to express your love and appreciation. Explore Blue Nile's exquisite pearls and mesmerizing gemstones that she's sure to love. Enjoy fast shipping options like guaranteed free shipping and returns. Make this Mother's Day unforgettable with a piece from Blue Nile. Right now, get up to 50% off at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. It's that time of the week again. The Rugby League Rant, fifth and last. Put on your headgear, chuck in your mouth guard and get ready for an hour of nothing but NRL talk. Here we are for another week of the fifth and last NRL podcast. Uh, it's been another pretty crazy week, Boxer, hence why we're recording a day later again on a nice late Wednesday night session. How you doing? Yeah, good. It has been a yeah another crazy week. It's been a crazy year in general, actually. Mm, it's been a fair bit going on. Yeah, there has been a fair bit going on. Uh, hopefully everyone enjoyed Magic Round. Hopefully uh, you're locked and loaded and get this in time. Tomorrow before things kick off. If not, still plenty of time on Friday to get this into your ears. I'm pretty sure everyone expects the main part of this show to be what everyone's been talking about for three to four days. I think we've talked a lot about it. I think people have heard a lot about it, so we'll definitely give an opinion on the situation, but I don't think it needs probably the breaking down that it would have got if we were doing it last night or a bit earlier. Um, But we'll kick off with our set of six and number one, Probably the most obvious thing is the end of Trent Barrett at the Bulldogs. And yeah. yeah. I guess, I'd, I'd... you know, the implications unpacking around it, you know, next coach, players off contract, guys that are going there, guys that have got options. Um, I'm going to start by saying this, and again, I, I take no pleasure in saying it, but I said in the preseason review, once Gus Gould got at the club, that if I'm Trent Barrett, I wouldn't feel safe. And I didn't say that to be a smartass. I didn't say it and taking a shot at Trent Barrett. I said it because we saw what happened at Penrith. And once he's in a role like that, you know, I, I don't think you can ever feel safe. And once the whistle came out a couple of weeks ago and there was that whole story, which I think was a complete beat up, it wasn't planned, it wasn't triggered. Um, you could kind of see that the writing was on the wall, but the whole thing or the notion that he's just quit, he, I, I don't buy it for a second. And it's not all on Gus, but again, he's definitely had a part to play in it. The board's had a part to play in it, yes. But um, 10 rounds in, the fact that he's gone, I, I in no way believe that he would have quit after what happened with his first job. Because essentially quitting on this second job for me is a death sentence for the rest of your career in terms of being a head coach in the NRL again. Is it though? Like if, if he goes on for the rest of the year and the results get worse... Well, you'd think they probably would get worse if you've fired the coach. You've essentially put a bullet in it for the rest of the year, as far as I'm concerned. Do you think? Yeah, I, I do. I... And they're trying to strip players out. They've told Jack Hetherington to look <clears> elsewhere. Pungo Jr.'s already been linked to the Dolphins, and they'll probably get away from that situation. How they paid him, what they paid him originally, I don't know. Brent Naden's already jumped out. Matt Burton, I said it originally. The only good part of this deal that his manager did, and I said at the time I couldn't believe they signed so early and of all teams with the Bulldogs, is the fact he put an option in there that after 12 months... He could opt back out. Like with the situation, the way things are played out, and Barrett was a big reason that he went to the Bulldogs. It wouldn't surprise me at all if Matt Burton took the option to only have twelve more months and go straight back on the market as a November one. 
Yeah, and that's why I don't think the rest of this season is a write-off. Like, I think the rest of this season is vitally important to where the Bulldogs go for sort of the, the short to immediate um, future. Like, they, they need to do well. They need to be competent. They need to compete. They need to show green shoots. Because, firstly, you need to... You know, I'm not sure what the plan is with Mick, <clears throat> whether, you know, he's taken on the role with the understanding that there's no chance that he'll he'll get the first grade job next year. I'm not sure whether there's, you know, the potential that if he, you know, shows signs that he's improving the team that he is in the running or he wants to be in the running to be the, the long-term coach there. I'd imagine, you know, having worked with Mick for the last 18 months, I'd I know that he had it as a to to get back into the NRL coaching, so I, I guess super happy for for Mick. But I'm also yeah, pretty. I, I feel for Trent Barrett, like I, I really do, because you he's a very good coach. Like I've I've spent some time with him. I've never coached directly with him, but I've I've certainly spent two or three years at Penrith, where you know he was either involved in NRL, New South Wales Cup, or twenties and. He's well respected. The, you know, you speak to everyone at the Panthers, and Trent Barrett is very, very well respected, and he gets a lot of credit for, you know, what they've been able to develop, particularly with their halves and the the style of attacking play that they, I guess they, um, they play at the Panthers. <clears throat> but going back to, the Bulldogs, I, I know a lot of people will just think, oh, well, you flicked your coach, or, you know, whether whether he's walked. I guess we never probably never really going to know what exactly happened and I think that's probably good for Trent Barrett I think it's the way that he's just sort of slid off I think is going to be actually beneficial to him as a coach moving forward I'm a little bit like you I I don't know whether this is the end of his NRL career but I certainly think he'd he'd be able to obtain a job in England I think if he was able to an assistant or a career assistant yeah no I agree in the NRL but I just don't know if he'll be able to be a head coach again Probably the path back for, for training into the NRL would be to go over to England and get to one of those big clubs and win a few premierships. That that would be the path back into the NRL. I guess you you need to restore some sort of credibility on your CV. I, I just think Trent's self-confidence and belief in himself has been his biggest detriment, to his, to his detriment, because he's... Yeah, I, I don't really want to go over the manly stuff. Like, we've been over the manly stuff. But, yeah, well, I didn't you know, know. You, look at, you look at this situation in itself and it was always going to be a hard slog. It was always well, going to be difficult. We it said was it always the, time. the second job needed to be... You know, and Phil Gould actually said before he was employed the by the Bulldogs, you shouldn't take the job. So that probably says everything that you need to know about the state of the Bulldogs when he was in that position. Yeah, it, it's just hard. It's, it's, it's hard to really know... You know what it looks like, what it what it is. In the end, you you got to look at what they're doing on the field, and I, I sort of feel sorry for Barrett because I think there's there's been, you know, probably a handful of players there who have gone there and haven't really had the impact that he probably needed them to in order to improve the team and to retain his job long term. And in the end, it's a results business, and the results weren't there and when the results aren't there the pressure builds yeah it's it's well I also think it speaks to it sucks this board that is currently in now is the one that took over and fired Dean Pay after he shoved all the shit for him to sort out the salary cap wasn't allowed to buy anyone wasn't given 
the opportunity, which at the time I thought was wrong, and then they've brought Trent Barrett in, let him make some moves. They've essentially, in my opinion, like I said, admitted they were wrong this offseason because they tried to offload the three players that they bought, and then within less than 10 games into his second year, they fired him as well. So, in a way... I, I don't really know what their plan is. Like, if they think this can just be fixed overnight, which they clearly did, they've got another thing coming. In terms of some talk over the last couple of days in media circles and other things about junior pathways and the quick fix there and a long-term plan, well, there's not a quick fix there either. Their junior pathways aren't what they used to be. They've been okay in some of the lower grades the last couple of years, but their competition's another one, much like Parramatta, who are now experiencing a shift because of the, the change in demographic in their area and the western suburbs sort of stuff that we dealt with, where they're all in one big merged comp together because their junior numbers and their junior stocks are also changing. So that's not going to be fixed overnight. Yeah. Um, they can't... And again, these journalists that fucking have no idea, like, ah, oh, Gus and Penrith and Penrith... It, no, no one's fucking even close to the setup they've got at Penrith. No one's got the base that Penrith does. No one has the established setup that Penrith does. No one has the numbers that Penrith does. Yeah. They, we, they're not You do realise where... Penrith are now in the, the penthouse of their building. <clears throat> and the building that they built from a slab. And the Bulldogs at the moment are at the point where they're building the slab and put the frame up. Like, you, you've got saying, to start somewhere. They're never going to have the junior base that they have regardless. They can do a good job. They can get yeah, something well, out not, of the junior not base. not in the short term. But they're not going to ever have anything that compares to that. The, the sheer numbers out here, Penrith Yeah, but years, I don't think you need sheer numbers to develop players. You just need to have your, your match, your ball, your flag. You need to have... I get that. Good you, coaches in and around You know that. what I mean? In terms of if you've got numbers and in you've got good pathways, players, you're churning out more products. Number of players, mm. no one in the world is going to compete no, with how that's many my Penrith have got. Out here for years, they neglected But that's it. not a Bulldogs versus Penrith thing. That's no, just a, it's my, that's a my Penrith point versus the, the rest of the league. I'm saying the comparison of some of these journalists talking like they can do the same thing. You can't do the same thing. I don't think anyone can come you close can. to what they've got. I, I, I think they can. But as I said, it's it's not a fair comparison. Like what, no, that's my what point. was built it's, at it's Penrith? A, it's a wrong comparison. Is it a completely different stage? What what really you should be doing right now is going back to looking at Penrith when Gus first got there, and looking at the Bulldogs now when Gus has arrived. You know, in the last six months, nine months, they're in a very similar position. And this was ten years ago at Penrith, so it doesn't get built overnight. I don't know that you know the old five year plan sort of hashtag yeah, right. bash up that used to happen at Penrith but whether people like it or not like the roster there was developed through the pathways that he implemented at Penrith along with a lot of other people we've been over that a hundred times but also <clears throat> a lot of good coaches and you know I think Gus is just in, he's, he's in his infancy he's, he's I guess vetting the joint and looking at who he trusts and who he likes and what he wants to do and how it's going to be set up and it's not going to be set up exactly the same as Penrith because, as you said, they're not the same. They don't have the same junior nursery. And the pathway system will have to be a little bit different. But, look, I, I, their Matthews and Ball have certainly been a lot stronger the last two or three years than what they were, you know, going back five to ten years. Their Jersey flag this year are going very well. Their New South Wales Cup are going quite well. So all that stuff looks positive. Um, realistically, I think the Bulldogs at the moment... They're really suffering. The NRL team are suffering in the spine position. Probably the biggest stat, the most telling stat, is that you know they've scored what they're the first team after ten rounds to not have scored a hundred points since the Crushers in the mid nineties. Like that tells you everything about where the Bulldogs are at offensively, and we're in a 
in a league now that is more reliant on good offense than what it was certainly in the mid nineties. So that's you know realistically where where I guess Trent Barrett's been let down, and where I guess their recruitment's let them down. And it's easy to say recruitment's let them down because you just assume that you can just go and sign any player. And you know the the Flanagan situation obviously hasn't helped. Burton sort of gone there and and I think he's had the impact that many would thought he would he would have or certainly what I thought he would have because he's he's a good player he's played to a decent level but you've also got to attribute and yeah. take into consideration the impact from. that other players have on you as an elite player that's right exactly and, he had you know, he's, he's around a premiership winning side yeah gun edge back rowers centers wingers he was playing in the centers He's not. He he was a Kate Colger, a good and figure. With all in due side. respect, if you throw Appy Corrissau, Nathan Cleary, Jerome Luai, and Dylan Edwards into the Bulldog side, they probably are top eight teams. But that's the point when he got there. Like, he's a six coming through. He wasn't a seven. He's a six. Yeah. He's a good ball running six. He's not going to steer a ship on his own. They quit on Flanagan after essentially six to eight weeks last year, which I thought was a mistake. And they've kind of sort of crushed his confidence. They've brought him back into the fold now. All the signings they made in the offside, it's all well and good to say the signings. Yeah, are I bad. actually, I actually quite like what Gus has done with Flanagan because the whole narrative about Flanagan and the media peddled this was that you know he's going to bring him back and they're going to torch him against Penrith and they're going to flush him out the back door and use that as a reason to get rid of him. Well, they haven't done that. They've kept him in first grade, and yes, he's had his ups, yes, he's had his downs, but they're developing him. Like yeah, if he's still playing like this at the end of next season, there's going to be huge pressure on Cole Flanagan because he's going to have had. You know, a good run at being the halfback at the Bulldogs. That that's what he needs. He needs a good run at being the halfback at the Bulldogs. That's what they bought him for. So, I I really like what they're doing with <clears throat> with Kyle Flanagan. And look, I think Mick Mick's going to be very good for Kyle Flanagan because he's not he's not going to expect Kyle to do the things I think that maybe Trent was expecting of him, like having it. come from the Penrith system and trying to adapt that sort of style that Trent loves and, you know, that Trent essentially created for Penrith across to the Bulldogs. And that I think that adaptation probably didn't work either. Like, middle he didn't service. really find that, that happy medium, did he? You know, like... Middle service will be gone, I reckon. Mick's it'll, not going to play middle service. No. The only question I have, and it's not a question of, of Mick, it's a question of, again, Gus and the situation there, that Mick... <laughs> I don't think it's going to get just full reign to select and do what he wants first year. I think there's going to be meddling and input and all that as well. I know he's going to coach the group as a whole, but come game day or the 1-17 to each week, I still find it hard to believe that Gus isn't going to be involved in any of that. Oh, he'll definitely be involved. So, like I haven't, but, And I haven't spoken to... Um, to the point you just made, though, who else are you going to put in bar flooding at this point in time? Like, it's not going to be Wake. It's none of these guys. Know, but you've paid him. You've got him for another year. Well, for, the, for the first three or four rounds, that's what they did, mate. You finished the year as far as I'm concerned with Flanagan and Burton because they tried hard, again, as much as they tried to lie about it, to get rid of Flanagan and Allen in the offseason, who they're still trying to get rid of. I think if the year doesn't work out that well, you, they're going to try again. And if I'm Kyle Flanagan, in all honesty, bar the fact that obviously the, the money and the, the year and you've got the option, you don't have to go anywhere, I'd want to go play football somewhere else if things aren't working out at the back end of the year. But... I guess before... Yeah, but also provided that it's a better situation yeah. and that you're going to be... You feel as though you're going to be in a position to start and play consistent footy. It's no good going, well, I'm going to go here because, you know, you guys aren't giving me the, the time that I need. Like, in the end, no coach is trying to pick a bad team. No coach is trying to pick a bad team. Everyone's trying, everyone is picking the team that they think is going to give them the best opportunity to win. 
or to develop players to put them in a position to progress them to put you in a position to then win later on. So I, I, I like what they're doing with Flanagan. I just stick with him, I think. Before we move on to potential coaching futures, you obviously work with Mick. You've been one of his assistants. You work with the Mounties. The whole situation there with the feeder group, basically, like the Massey Cup sort of players are all together as one big group. Yeah. Um, so everything sort of runs in hand. You can let the listeners, I guess, give a bit of an insight as to what Mick's like as a coach or what do you think Mick will, Mick will probably be there, uh, a, a calm voice, a steady influence for the rest of the year, somebody who's, yeah, I, you know. <clears throat> I read uh, there's an article in, I think it's today's paper, about the kind of guy that Mick is and the kind of coach that Mick is that um, Paul Crawley wrote the article. Uh, and I don't, you know, I'm not going to go all love fest here, but um, Mick's probably, he's, he's the nicest bloke I've ever ever worked with in footy. He's got the most integrity of anyone I've ever worked with in footy. He is, he's been an open book with me for 18 months. He's, um, yeah, he's, he's developed me tremendously because he's given me the opportunity to coach he's trusted me to coach he's trusted me he's trusted my opinion um and at times we've had we've had tough conversations and we've disagreed and um i can't speak highly enough of of mick as a as a person i think the bulldogs at the moment they don't i don't think they need a coach well, they clearly they clearly need a coach. But yeah, more but it, more, you, more for the situation. More, I think the they need sort of set up. They need someone with mixed temperament, and what I mean by that is, no one's going to rattle Mick at the moment. No one's going to rattle him. Like the cup, our cup side hasn't been playing great footy. Neither is our Massey, um, and we're not. We're struggling also. Like our results aren't fantastic. And not once have I seen Mick lose his shit. Not once have I heard Mick bag a player. Not once have I um, seen, you know, Mick panic. So he's the perfect man for the job because he's experienced and he's he's been through it. He's seen it all before. You know, he wrote out that horrible period at the West I was Tigers. Just about to say, that but he's great. also he's, he's also, also been, been over at St Helens. He's been at Catalans. <laughs> he's, been at, he's been at successful clubs. He's made grand finals. He's coached good players. And and he as a player, a player, he won two WMs. He won two premierships at the Bulldogs. What I really think they were looking for is someone with a, a calm temperament who is experienced, who is a Bulldog, who's won two premierships, who's going to just bring that calm, steadying influence on the playing group. Now, what I will say, he will simplify things. He's got some, you know, some core things that, need he, to be simplified that he, likes to, he likes to get done. You know, he's going to want his team to work hard for each other. He's going to want his team to compete in every, in all those little areas. Um, but the one thing that, that Mick really has a, a talent at and something that I've certainly, you know, I'm always over his shoulder when he's talking to halves and he's talking to key position players because he has an, he has an excellent old school feel for the game and he coaches halves differently to how modern coaches coach halves. He coaches halves how he would have played. He coaches halves to play their natural game and then he, he'll adapt a system around the players that he's got rather than, you know, a lot of the coaches now will have their big coaches book and they'll come in and say, this is the way I'm going to do things. Yes, my structure, and my really, system. Yeah, they don't really take into consideration the players that they've got around them. And, and you know, that's not to say that Mick doesn't like to have structures and, and play to points and, you know, do all that sort of stuff. But he's going to adapt. I guess the model of the team and the game style that they're going to play 
around the players that he's got, yeah, which he's, I think he's, he's not going to put him in a box. He's going to let them be them, and that'll evolve. That may be he may he may start out this week and sort of say, you know, you just go and do what you've been doing under Trent, and let's let's see how that works. He, you know, he may tweak things, he may take things away, he may add things. You just you're not going to get panic out of him. Mm. Um, I'm super happy for him because, you know, to be honest, I, I'm not sure whether Mick thought that this opportunity was going to come along again. Uh, and look, it's not. It's certainly not a not a job that everyone's going to jump at. No. But he's super excited. I think he's going to do a he'll do a really really good job. What that looks like in terms of results, we'll, we'll see. We'll see, but I'm, I'm pulling for him. I hope they win every bloody game, the Bulldogs. Yeah. Uh, well, in terms of other options moving forward, plenty of names have been bandied around. My natural link straight away was Seraldo because, in my opinion, again, Gus is the one running the ship over there. He's got a longer deal, a lot more stability than anyone on the board who are coming up for elections, which is part of the influence and what's going on here. I thought Seraldo is somebody he tried to push when he knifed Hook originally before they brought Ivan back and pushed him out. Uh, the situation he's in right now, all reports today are that he's not interested in coming across. And on top of that, he's supposedly one of Barrett's best mates. So you'd think on that side of things as well, you know, it, it would be a very interesting situation to come straight in after you've just watched one of your mates there go and you've seen the track record of the last three coaches there under Gus and whether you get the control you need or whether that sort of side of things would cross over. Which brings me to the next point, the main candidate that everyone really keeps pushing the barrel of, which I can see it from one perspective, but I can't see it with Gus there, is Shane Flanagan. Shane Flanagan, to me, built the Sharks. He put the bloody gym mats down on the floor. He fundraised. He worked his ass off to get that place going, put the junior framework in, got some coaches in around him. They obviously had some dark moments. They've got some things on his resume that we definitely don't agree with. But if you want to bring somebody in to get a side up from the doldrums or build something from the ground up and instill culture... He and you know he ended up finishing with a premiership. He'd be a hell of a person to get it, but there's no way in hell I could see him being micromanaged or have somebody like Gus putting his fingers in or telling him what to do or trying to get any sort of influence over him as a coach. But I don't think they're going to be looking now. I, I really don't. No, I think... but they're going to be looking for next year, I think, or they'll be looking at <laughs> all their options. So, do I? Do I think well, that... are they like? Because what? What if Potter does turn around? Well, they're going to look at him as well. But I'm saying you still have to look at all your options. So. Mm. There hasn't been there hasn't been an articulation on what the, that process is going to look like from the Bulldogs at this point in time. I mean, they've they've just announced that Mick's going to be the coach until the end of the year, but yeah, I guess there's going to have to be some clarity around what the process is going to be to appoint the coach for next year. Naturally, wouldn't you well, think? He was already talking about today about Freddie and not really putting the fire out in that. And then Freddie was playing the old straight bat, saying, "I'm just coaching." The yeah, but everyone's going to do that, and just coaching you're the just what's going to happen until. You know, you get some... Well, there's another big story. Is that they're going to toss names up and yeah. speculate and, and, you know, that's what But you happens. know they're going to be looking at all their options. So, to me, like, and also the other thing with Flanagan, with his son being there, the fact they've tried to remove him if he comes in, does he stick with him? If he gets to the end of the year and they mm. want to move him on, is that something he's going to be comfortable? Mm. Like, there's a lot to that. There really is a lot. But the mm. biggest thing for me is I just can't see someone as senior as him who's done all that sort of groundwork having somebody like Gus meddling or trying to put his influence or his two cents over the top. Yeah, well, we don't even... It hasn't worked before. I don't think it'll work again. Like he, If you're hiring him, he wants a lot more say or a lot more clout in a football setup, and someone <laughs> else... Thought, if you're doing the football department or the players, you do that, stay out of the football side of things. We've already seen how that story plays out, so I don't know about that. People have mentioned Christian Wolf. I don't think this is a job for a rookie. 
Um, you know, anyone else sort of mentioned around that? I heard today someone mentioned Steve McNamara from England. I, in no way do I think someone like him would come out here at this stage or would I be looking at him in terms of the sort of candidates? And then I think James Graham floated the idea that go to market and you take one of those big-name coaches because it's a big club. They've got a lot of money. They've got a lot of backing. But on the flip side of that, again, I don't see any big coaches jumping at the opportunity right now to move to the Bulldogs. Mm-hmm. You're not going to jag a Bellamy or a Robinson or try and unseat somebody like that. And then others were mentioning, you know, you've got people like Ricky Stewart or Todd Payton. Like, could you throw money at him get him out? Why would Todd Payton leave the situation? He's just started to evolve in North Queensland. So I don't think they're going to get someone from another club. I think it's going to have to be someone who's available. I think your best option's Flanagan, but again, I, I just don't really see how that all fits together. But on the flip side of that, if things really did go well with Mick and he's I think it's, I just got think the it's... DNA and they want to move in that direction, well, then that would be outstanding. But I'm sure they're going to leave no stone unturned. But the only reason I could give the Fitler situation any sort of oxygen... But the coach they appoint isn't going to fix the spine. No. But the only reason I can give that any sort of oxygen is I think you could sit there and say that him and Gus probably have a very, very good relationship and he might let him have that sort of involvement that maybe doesn't clash, but yeah, at the same get, time, like he's not a real even, coach. I don't even bind all that crap about, well, Gus medals and Gus does this and Gus... It's like, well, he, he says one thing in the media and then the other side of the media bag the, bag the hell out of Gould. Yeah, well, he brings a fair bit on himself. In my yeah, opinion, I just... So. I don't watch it I don't listen to it I just, I'm not overly interested in it yeah well two weeks Trent Barrett was going to be there a long long time after Gus and now he's gone and it's the board and everyone else is and he quit I, I don't buy it for a second yeah well. he didn't quit I don't think he quit but if you're the Bulldogs again if you had to make a call right now all things being equal who would you think you'd be going for well I think you give you give Potter Potter his his go and then you make a decision at the end of the year that's what I think I think why would you go why do they need to appoint someone now no they don't need to appoint because someone because you now, could you could looking. have it you could you could have a coach you know get sacked by another club at the end of the year that you like like the coaching carousel is always moving I, I, now that they've appointed Potter I don't see why they'd move on a coach at all unless you're getting one of your big four or five and you're throwing a stack of money at them. Otherwise, you, you leave it. You let it. You let this situation go. You allow Mick to coach the team and allow the team to play without all this off-field chat. The, the sooner the Bulldogs can put water on this off-field chat, the better. Focus on the field. Focus on the play. And, you know, the, the best thing that can happen for the Bulldogs is for the side to win. Because, to be fair, that's not only going to be good for for Mick, but it's also going to be good for a potential coach. They'll become more attractive if they start playing well. So, the sooner it, yeah, the sooner the Bulldogs put water on it, and I think they've done a pretty good job of putting water on it over the last 24 hours. Because there was zero chat yesterday. Uh, they put a statement out confirming Mick was a coach last night. Then today they had Josh Jackson only front the media. I thought he did a fantastic job in what he said. That's a leader. Like, that's a man. Yeah, that's a man. He got up in front of the media. He was to the point. He was articulate. He was honest. And I, I thought the way they handled yesterday and then the way that Josh Jackson spoke today was outstanding. And well, that's it for me now. Talk talk on the field. Well, I appreciate the honesty of him as well because in a way... I love Josh, he, Josh he, Jackson. He's man. essentially, in what some of what he said was, again, not agreeing with what they've done. He's, he's back tough. Trent Barry. He said he's... 
basically the best coach that I think he's had, the most well-rounded coach he's had. So Yeah, I thought he was super respectful to Trent Barrett, and I thought he was very honest. He didn't, he didn't um, run out any cliches. He just says it as it was. Said it as it was. Yeah, that's what I'm more respectful. Love it. it Love it. I think that's that was outstanding from um, Josh Jackson today. But yeah, and they've also reaffirmed. Like some people mentioned straight away about players backflipping. Like with the new rules, you can't backflip. Yeah. So Marnie, kick out locked in. We'll have to see what plays out again. Um, in terms of this clean out, we know that Heathering's already been tapped on the shoulder. Naden moved literally within less than 24 hours to the Tigers. Tafita Pengai's obviously been linked straight back to Wayne Bennett. Wayne Bennett's been talking again. That's no surprise. But from the Bulldogs, how you sign him for 750 in the first place is beyond me. The quicker you can get him out the door, the better. I'd have no problem with that. Just being over and done within less than 12 months. Um, others that are off contract, potentially to be signed or re-signed. I know for a fact they basically have no money. That's the whole thing about some people are talking about, oh, this player, that player. They don't have any money. They've spent the money. They've spent up to the hilt. They've still got guys like Allen on half a million. They want gone. Um, you know, so unless they move some money around, Ryan Sutton still hasn't been confirmed that that's happening, but they're looking at Faitalamara, Dory, a couple of guys who are injured before they consider that. You've obviously got Vaughan, Dufty, uh, and Hoffman on a one-year deal, Tui Katoa, Tapine, Zach Hurlington. There's a lot of guys there on one-year contracts that were more than likely to be moved on. And then there's Jeremy Marshall-King, who has an option in his favour up till June, but they've signed Reid Money, so why would he stay? I look at him to right now. And, nah, I don't think he's hanging around to play 14. He's playing start nine. Right at this moment. At is, this yeah. moment, yeah, but with Reid, you're not going to be playing start nine, so why would you take the option? I think there'd be interest for Marshall King. I think well, Marshall you, King's... You might take the option if you don't have... I think Marshall King, also. in all honesty, uh, does pretty good considering what he's surrounded with. Well, yeah, I, think, I quite like Marshall I think there'll be an option for him somewhere. I think the Dolphins could do much worse for your first nine for what's available. And that's the thing again. What is available? Well, what's available for them? Who are you getting? No, I, I don't know. I don't know. you got to get somebody. So I think there'll be an option I for I think him. the Dolphins have been put in a horrible situation, to be fair. Yeah, well, given, 12, 12 given months wasn't enough time. to essentially just that's the point. sign a roster with everyone that's off contract this year. That's the point. Oh, if, cheers. If Marnie's coming and they've got some interest, well, at least you know one thing, you're going to get a chance to play. You're not going to be pushed out. Yeah. And I don't think Marnie's going there to share time. None of the money he's getting paid. So there's a lot of moving parts. There's a lot that still happen at the club. Interested to see how the rest of the year plays out. Interested to see what happens with the rest of these players, whether on, on contract, off contract, but there's certainly a lot of change that's going to be happening in the next few weeks. So... Um, Hopefully, we see a bit of a turnaround and we see some of these guys, and hopefully for their sake as well, others don't look for the door or the Burton situation in particular doesn't escalate or change or um, things get too out of control. But, yeah, didn't see that coming, but it's happened, and we move on. And to tackle two now, the Broncos and this sort of surge. A couple of wins to start the year, a bad couple of weeks there where they sort of flattened out but are coming good now. Um, I think one thing that we probably didn't speak about so much in our pre-season previews. We mentioned a lot about Reynolds and who's going there and Kate will go in there and some of the veterans, but you sort of hit that peak now that we used to talk about, about getting 50 games or a couple of seasons on you but a couple of pre-seasons when you blood those kids so early. Mm. And the real sort of thing that's starting to come through now is a forward pack or more than one person, I think, in the forward pack that is not only you know matching it week to week physically, but is starting to dominate. These guys are starting to come in some of the best period of their career and sort of that core of players that was debuted at one time with your Carrigans. You know, you got Haas, who obviously was above and beyond. Farmworth, 
Stags, Flegler, they're all 50 games plus now. 52 games, 61 games, 60 games, and they're all starting to come into their own. Carrigan's added layers to his game. It's not just carries and work from early on. There's a little bit more footwork. There's a pass. Flegler's aggression, why it needs to be channeled, is starting to, again, become more physically dominant week to week. And when you've got multiple guys that are starting to get more into that peak or more seasoned to the NRL, you can see that starting to come through in their football as well. Yeah. They've also got two oats back into good form with a young guy like Cobbo with their set starts. I think Tamari Martin's influence, stuff you don't see on the ball in terms of organising and helping out Reynolds in shape. We looked earlier in the year and mm. saw the spine and the way things were running and essentially he was set saving him every time when he kicked the ball in the last. Mm. But he wasn't getting a lot of help in general play. So I think there's a few factors here that have come into things coming back to general, but your biggest one obviously is Adam Reynolds. But I think the last few weeks, looking at that forward pack as well, and a couple of those guys there, that core group that was blooded in that really rough period there are starting to shine through now that they've played that 50, 60 games. Definitely. So there's definitely, a real good yeah, core like, there. And, you know, they <clears throat> for that first 10 to 20 games in first grade, they had their backside smacked. And yeah. And sort of around that. And you have a week yeah. or two here, they're like, how good's that? But they're yeah. kids. Anthony Seabold was, yeah, probably to his detriment was just putting them all in there at the one time. But that was sort of the direction that the club wanted to take until... It started to backfire in their results. Um, yeah, but it's you know it's nice to see those guys that they've stuck with them and they've developed them and now they're starting to see some green shoots, which mm. is it, it is it is good for the Broncos. I, like I hate that line, you know, rugby league's flying when so and so is ah, going well. Bullshit. It's like we'll just someone's going to go well and someone's going to go poorly. Yeah, every man. every position on the ladder is going to be filled. And so. you'll go well if you deserve to go well. And yeah. You're doing the right and things. You're doing the right to go. Your well. club's doing the right things and. Again, we're not going to go all the way through it, but that situation came, it's gone. The Wayne Bennett situations came and gone. Divide between the young, the old, oh, just, some bad the, the contracts. The buy of the like, season by an absolute country mile is Adam Reynolds. At this point in time, 100%. By an absolute country mile. And if he keeps playing the way he is by the back end of the year, well, yeah, it's definitely not going to be an argument. Yeah, it's a, it's a slam dunk. But yeah, you have that mixed in with the emergence of these sort of guys... Getting to that point, like I said, where they've now had a couple of seasons. I think rep football starting to come on the horizon a bit quicker. Haas was just an out and out, you know, he was a comet. He was an asteroid. He was that guy. It didn't matter how old he was, he was like that from day one. The other guys we've seen flashes, but I think now after a couple of full seasons, a couple of pre seasons, they're moving into that sort of peak that we talk about when you've hit 50 game plus. Yeah. And, you know, Herbie, Stags, I still think week to week, not so much, but there's five or six real core guys, and in particular those forwards. And I also think the under, there's underrated guys like, I don't know about you, but when Hetherington got introduced last year, I think that's a bit of a, a tone setter. That's a guy who's got that attitude, hits hard in defence, pu- pushes around, and just just small stuff. But I like a lot of what's going on with Brisbane right now. But um, again, if they can find a way within their situation to maybe add someone else to their spine, I think they're talking about getting Martin on a fairly reasonable deal. He's added some stability and again, brought a bit of balance there. But the nine situation, the six situation right now is okay. I still think internally they think Ezra Mann, the young number six they've got, will be that guy long-term, but they don't want to burn him right now. Yeah. Um, but if he provides the sort of spark that I've watched in Queensland Cup with the way he plays and gets outside of Reynolds and you've got a steady guy at the back like Martin and then they can get in the market for a nine or develop one internally. I know there's a young kid they're really big fans of who they signed for a couple of years now, but he's probably still a year or two away at nine. Um, well, then, you know, you've got your court. When you get that core, along with a steady forward pack and 
you know, you bring some guys through or one or two from the outside, like your Reynolds, like your Kate Wells, etc. Well, then you put yourself in a really good situation. So things start to look on the up for the Broncos, that's for sure. Uh, tackle three, only really a short point. Disappointed a little bit with what we thought was going to be the top of the table clash on the weekend. I thought the first half wasn't that bad, but Melbourne in the end, just a bit of a reality check. Even Bellamy said so uh, in terms of how things played out in that game. The errors they made, they got absolutely strangled. But, man, like to me, round 22 and hopefully after Origin can't come quick enough. It, it feels the last couple of years, any time these two teams have played by the grand final, there's been injuries or there's been guys missing or the year prior to that, like guys pull out. Full credit to Penrith. They really made a statement there the other night. But um, after being really excited the week before and saying, yeah, I was a bit sad we weren't going to Magic Ground with what happened in the end with the players that weren't playing and how that all unfolded, I wasn't actually that disappointed then that we weren't at Magic Ground. No, I, I just had a yeah, full-on weekend. <clears throat> so I didn't, I didn't see a great deal of footy, but I saw this game. Mm. And uh, we called it on Hijack TV. Really, did did it? Was it any different to what we sort of expected? I, you know, Melbourne had a lot of guys out. Penrith looking to bounce back from you know the week before against Parramatta. And they were dominant. Yeah, they, they were. I thought Melbourne were Melbourne were very gritty. They 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 put a lot of pressure on themselves. Mm. They well, had key man out. Well, Bellamy probably summed just, it up. If you're going to give up sixty plus percent yeah. possession, then only can see. Yeah. Well, they had 62% possession, Penrith, 38 Melbourne. Yeah, the fact that it was that close was a credit to Melbourne's resilience in their defence. But again, you, you, if you're Craig Bellamy, you look and you go, geez, we put a lot of pressure on ourselves and, you know, they can't do that moving forward. So, um, yeah, for, for, for Penrith, you you love that. It's a, it's a win over your rival and it's it's a win over a, a big fish and that will that will no doubt play some sort of a role at the end of the year with the ladder. But I, I don't think it has any currency in terms of future... Not right now. ...future uh, match-ups and influences on what may happen later in the year in terms of results. I think, if anything, that will actually motivate Melbourne a little bit. And you've in also... In the fact that they had guys out. I don't think... Like Penrith went to... There was not, nothing untoward that went on in that game. No. I don't think there's anything, but... Just for Melbourne, like that that'll be motivating the fact that they did get they did get so badly beaten, not badly beaten, but for Melbourne it was badly beaten, and that will be motivating for them naturally. The scoreline will be motivating for Melbourne, so I think that'll actually play in Melbourne's favour into from a motivation perspective, from a points and ladder and football perspective. Penrith with a winner on the weekend, and that'll certainly advantage them. I think to some degree later in the year. Well, the big thing coming up when I said this to a guy at work, he was a Panther fan, he's like, ah, but like, I'm like, mate, I don't, really don't care. And you shouldn't care either. And he's like, why? So, well, Origin's coming up. Mm. You're going to have a huge influence on that. We're probably going to have less than we've ever had. Um, maybe, you know, Munster and Green are definitely going to be there. Less, but probably more For lease. But we, we used to have probably six or seven, but because we've got a bit more of a, you know, mix through our team now in terms of some of the, the Polynesians and different cultures in the side and having... Olam and some guys that aren't origin players yeah. we, we get a bit more balance the last few years so we, you know Welch is obviously injured he's already out he would have been involved so we might have three four yeah. maybe if they pick Coates but you look at Penrith I said this to you before with the way things are going in terms of form and what's going on there um, in, in, in my mind I'd have Arpy over Cook I know the situation happened last year I know about incumbency and all the rest of it but I honestly think if you're going to go in there right now and with some of the form that's going around the comp if you're Brad Fitler, you could easily pick upwards of seven players from Penrith. 
honestly. Yeah. I don't know if it'll happen, but I could see yeah, that. Being dominant. If, if you got there with the injuries they've got. They've lost one game all year. They won go. the competition last year. They've got a lot of Blues players in there. Exactly. I, I think so, to pick in combination and to pick on form is the right thing to do. And this is the point again. Like You look at round nine, by round 22, this could look very, very different again. But yeah. I just want to see this matchup full strength again in a grand final or in a, in a game head-to-head. They, like even last year when they lost the prelim, Penrith were a little bit undergun, but they got the job done. Um, but yeah, yeah, they did. Yeah. Just at times when things are going and they're both playing the way they are, like it just felt... Bit of the wind got taken out of the sail to me leading up to the game with the players that were missing and then the game in general. Um, so hoping they both get through Origin unscathed and have that game leading into the finals. And it's early enough being round 22 that it's not like a round 24 or 25 game where you know we're locked in, this is where we are, we can't move any further and you're going to rest players. So I'm hoping by that point they're both as close to full strength as possible, playing some really good football and we get a full sample there. And if it's not at there, I hope it's you know in a prelim or a grand final again. Okay. Uh, number four, magic round. There were certainly some magic moments and just more a quick point. Some of the tries on the weekend, the Murray Tuolagi pass was absolutely outstanding. Yeah. Um, he's a big man, but sort of that kind of kick in his hips there to pop himself up and fling that one back in. Mitchell Moses come up with an absolute corker. The Adam Reynolds chip and chase. And uh, then you had Sam Walker as well with his try where the fullback's up in the line, kicks in behind. There were some really, really good tries. And just on the theme of magic, there were some magical plays by a couple of players on the weekend. So definitely, yeah, definitely. Some real highlight moments in magic ground in general, despite the weather, huge attendances. I know a couple of the games weren't quite what we expected, but I think the whole atmosphere, the whole idea of it all, again, taken from what started in the Super League, it's just a really good idea. And I still hope that we get an opportunity at some stage to head up there and uh, enjoy a oh, weekend. Yeah, we definitely Anyone do. that braved those weather conditions, full credit to you. Because yeah. there's a few times I was sitting there, like I said to you, and one or two of the games weren't as great as what I expected and thought, fuck sitting in that rain. I would have rather been sitting in the Caxton or a pub, not getting absolutely fucking drenched. Yeah, we had, so, well, we had a few guys that um, we know from Mounties that went up on staff. And yeah, we, we had plans to go up until I was involved in the, the City vs. Country game on the weekend. So mm. Mm. probably probably a good one to have... Avoided, maybe? Yeah, I think there was a fair, like I said, the, the big game sort of was affected. The weather, there was there was a lot that happened. Yeah. The Brisbane Manly game wasn't exactly great. The Bulldogs from the Knights game wasn't exactly great. There was a few that weren't yeah. quite as good, but overall, the atmosphere and uh, everything about it. I love the idea. I love the concept. It's great. Tackle five, uh, one probably that I'm more excited about, finally announced that Craig Bellamy has extended for one more year again with Melbourne. People say, well, like, when's he going to go? When's he going to do this and that? Regardless of what role he has, he's signed with Melbourne for, like, the next five or six years. He has a long-term deal. What capacity, what role he's in is a completely different story. But any time he says he's going to be coaching for another year, I don't think there's any other explanation that needs to be made. That's great news for Melbourne. That's great news for anyone that supports Melbourne. I think it's good for football that he's still there. It the is, longer yeah, he coaches, yeah, the better. Completely. And I still love the fact that talking, when's he going to go? This is his last year. He's To me, he's almost been gone two or three times now, and he just seems to keep going. But for me, and you're a coach to your soul, I don't see how you could walk away from what's kind of happening there in the turnover. It, it'd it's be sort extreme, of, extremely hard oh, to walk away from something that has been it's transitioned. so successful. Yeah, and it's transitioned so again. So successful and... To be so successful and to feel as though you are competing to win every year... Exactly. ...is 
the greatest feeling in sport. And it was the end when Kronk went, and then they fought on. Then it was going to be the end when Smith and also went. And they won to the, be the other year, and they a fought part on of, again. You know, like it's it's twenty years this year, is it? And it's going to be twenty one next 21. year. And then Billy like to also have your fingerprints over evolution of both players, teams, rules, the game. And they've they've morphed probably I would say three times throughout the last twenty years. Um, but this evolution early, early doors there like sort of six seven eight I think they were a, a extremely open flamboyant attacking sort of team with that gritty edge on them and then post salary cap I think they transitioned into that really tough grinding yeah systematic smash your way yeah structured sort of style and you know in the last two or three years they flipped back to Fuck, they broke the point scoring record last mm. year and they're on track to beat it again this year. They can score from anywhere on the park. It's they incredible the way. It is incredible the way that they attack. And like again, you, you could say, oh, you had this guy, you had that guy. Well, no, no one wanted him. No, Brisbane missed the Smith. He stood up no to the test of Slater. time. Kronk was converted. Generation. Who wanted Rule Hughes? change. No one wanted Hughes. Now he's an international halfback. Yeah, but he hasn't just done it with That's one. That's my point. But people go, it's like these guys just. Now. Oh, well, he could have been this, this. No, he couldn't have been that at that club. They were at these clubs. Nico Hines was floating around for four or so, so years after Manly. No one even batted an eyelid at Nico Hines. Mm. Now he's playing for the Sharks on like a $650,000, $700,000 contract after being through there. Yeah. Don't even for a second sit there and go, well, if we left Pappenhaus and the Tigers, well, the fact is you didn't. And Parramatta didn't look at him either. Yeah. These people, like Josh King this year, it was another one that I looked at when they signed him. And I thought, it's not that it's a bad thing, but it's just one of those ones you kind of look at it and go, okay, that's a bit weird. He's sort of been a bench player for a long part there and he gets a couple of games every year. The fact that he's come in and he's doing what Dale does and the minutes he's playing and what the role he's producing, probably for about a fifth of the pay, yeah. and what they get out of these guys, what he does, is fucking incredible. Mm. It's honestly incredible. So, great news for Melbourne uh, in terms of impact. For any other players, they're pretty much locked up everyone they really want. People are wondering if it have an impact on the Munster situation. Well, Munster's contract still doesn't run out to the end of next year if he's gone after that. So realistically, his decision's not going to be impacted, in my opinion, by the Bellamy side of things. Because if Bellamy's going year to year, that's realistically not part of the decision at all. Mm. It's whether you want to be there long term, or if it's a money thing, or do you want to go somewhere else, or do you want a different challenge. But really good situation um, for Melbourne in that sense. And tackle six, just a quick one to finish us off. Origin is a bonus box head. And I'm starting to get a little worried. I, I brought the point up before, but... Just with a couple of injuries and some form around some guys, and I'm a little bit worried um, just in terms of some selections. We don't know what's going to happen, and we'll probably talk about it more in depth. Would it be next week or the week after they're announced? I'm trying to think when the first origin is. Round 11, round 12. I think it'll be next week. We might have squads within a week, so next week I reckon we go a bit more in depth. But looking at Queensland, um, I didn't expect their teams to be doing as well as they are. I think scarier part, finally for once, I think they've got some guys pushing through in some positions that they need. Um, their spine's playing well. They've got some OB options that they didn't have, which was an pl- area that was looking pretty thin. Uh, I'm looking at this right now thinking this might be a very, very good series, or they'll be right back in the mix. We've had three of the last four. The COVID series was the, the supposed worst team of all time, and that was unique in itself. But I think Queensland are going to be right back in this year. It's three weeks tonight. There you go. But, um, we'll be at the game. So, yes, it will be... <clears throat> Not next week, but the following week where it will be selected. It'll be picked on Sunday the 29th, you would imagine. 
Well, I'm Monday, scared. Monday the 30th. So, yeah, this time next week we'll be, yeah, I guess, drafting our squads and putting forward what we think. Mm. It's exciting. I, I think this year's State of Origin series, yeah, is probably the closest that we've had on paper for maybe maybe nearly a decade. Hopefully. And I think maybe uh, nearly a decade because we had that obviously. We should be four from four, but we're not. Huge period of dominance and uh, from Queensland. And yes, we've had a little period of dominance where yeah, we slipped up once. But really this year you could I think New South Wales deserve to go in as favourites because yeah. they've got the first game at home and then they've got the, the neutral, neutral venue. So you could essentially wrap up a series prior to Heading up to Queensland, and they always say that a neutral game often decides a series because you just you don't assume. But well, now it's a neutral game. Yeah, the, before uh, it used to be. The, the 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 history would tell you that teams usually win their home games, or they're certainly more favoured to win their home games. So if if it goes home game home game, your neutral winner usually determines who wins the series. So that'll be a massively important game over in Perth in in game two. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. And hopefully from a Blues perspective, we can, we can win game one and give ourselves two chances to win the series. I think if Queensland happened to jag game one in Sydney, that'd be... I think we'll have a decider this year in Suncorp, which is what worries me. That'd be almost series over. I don't see a shellacking coming like previous years. Mm. I think we're going to have a decider in Queensland. And that's always scary. Let's see. We've been there. See what plays out. uh, Yeah, looking forward to that. Right around the corner. That's a set of six. Thanks to bluebet.com.au if you're going to have a bet on the NRL or any sport, make sure you do it with bluebet.com.au, the true blue bookie. Download the app today or visit the website today. Um, and now jumping into the reviews of the games from the weekend, brought to you by the Penrith Solar Center. There is no one better than Jake and the crew. Give them a call today on 1800-2930 or visit the website www.penrithsolar.com.au. Help them tackle your rising electricity bills. They will help you get over the trial line and save you thousands per year. In energy costs, we'll be a bit quicker on these because that was quite long and we're obviously well removed from the round. But Newcastle Dogs, we know the result of right now, but this one for the Bulldogs, it was a bit of the same old, same old. And Barrett pretty much touched on as much in his final press conference that he's pretty much on repeat every single week. Just fundamental errors, poor discipline. Um, they're very predictable on attack. And Newcastle getting Barnett back in the mix this week, Clune back in the mix. Clemmer has been outstanding this year, but in particular the last month or so, those guys really laid a platform. If anything, I think the scoreline with a couple of tries they were denied sort of flattered the Bulldogs, but um, Newcastle, very, very happy to bounce back. Yeah. And for the Dogs two weeks ago, the elation of being the Roosters and hopefully turning a bit of a leaf for their season, obviously fell into a bad loss against the Raiders last week and another one against the team that was equal last on the ladder with them and now the situation that's unfolded. Yeah, I. It was tough to watch his press conference after the game because you can see that yeah. he's trying to get a message through that isn't sinking through to performances and action on the field, and what he was saying was spot on. 
it was a it was an ugly game, and I think Newcastle will take a lot out of that because they managed to just grip one out. But yeah, just more of the same from from the Bulldogs. And you you can talk about what the Bulldogs should be doing and the players that they've got, but until you yeah you you remove those fundamental errors from your game, you just put yourselves in positions where you are consistently coming out of difficult field position, and you cannot apply pressure to your opposition. And pressure, pressure is two things. Pressure is is field position, and pressure is you threatening with the ball and being in a position to score. But it's also accumulating plays which fatigue the opposition. Mm. And the Bulldogs really struggle to do those two things on a consistent basis. And I think that's that's what Trent was getting at, and he's he's spot on. And they struggled in all areas. They didn't have good set starts in their middles. Vaughan was the only one to go over a hundred meters and by a fair way. Um, but you got Pungo Jr. Like I said, brought there as a big change. They took four any changes for him. He had two on and offs. So like that's four changes for a guy that's supposed to be an eighty-minute back row. Like yeah, when that sort of stuff's going on, you, at, at that level, you battle. You really that are. is diabolical. That just that yeah. And when we talk about fatigue, that places a high level of fatigue on other players who should have had those interchanges well, as their rest. Yeah, four changes to get a guy on, off, on, off yeah. is crazy yeah. if you're playing. So That's half your interchanges. That's 50%. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, for Newcastle, I think Adam O'Brien, that group there, they, they definitely seem like they haven't checked out. It's been a rough patch, but they were pumped. Kloon got to ice it. Um, it's been a tough sort of period for him, but it was good. Like I said, Clemmer, excellent. Barnett trying to gain back, I guess, um, a bit. For what, what what that period he spent out and what he's done, I thought he was very, very good. And, and Ponga was more involved, but again, it's probably the point we've talked about before. It's easy to be involved in these games, but he needs to lead from the front when they play some better opposition. So yeah. Newcastle will just be happy to get that win, and then they move on next week and up against the Broncos. So it doesn't get any easier. And funnily enough, Milford back this week in time to play against the Broncos and straight into their team. And I think Frizzell's back, so... Some troops on deck, but strong. Adam O'Brien was very excited and, and rightfully so. Yeah, he's it's been a tough little period for the, the Knights with the off field and you know, obviously also the on field struggles. Yeah. Broncos Manly thirty eight nil. This was an absolute demo job. Mm. Manly, um, after last week I thought doing well under adversity with some late changes and injuries and getting that win in, in a fairly convincing fashion against the Tigers got a rude shock. In this one, they got absolutely fucking punched in the mouth. They, was, well, I think it was eight 0 with about three minutes to go in the first half, and the Broncos dropped out to Manly. Kirk Capewell raked it one on one on maybe the first or second play. Brisbane then go down. Adam Reynolds chip and chase try fourteen nil half time. It just that really put a dent in Manly. I was frustrated just watching the the errors again. We talk about errors. They just they never gave same. themselves a chance at all. Correct. Early errors, coming out of yardage, good field position. And again, we talk about it at times. The scoreline probably flattered them. Oh, banking credits and costing the back end. All that stuff early, all that energy, you've got a front row to hold on, defend those errors. And again, they did concede, but it hurts in the back end too. Yeah. They were flat. Tommy, I, I know he's probably been medically clear. We know what they have to go through. He does not look right. That's another worry for New South Wales because you know they're still going to want to pick him, but he could barely run. His brother busted his yeah. AC joint. He yeah. was gone. Their forward pack was cooked because they were just defending the whole night. They they were never in this one at all. But no. Brisbane, like I said before, full credit to these guys that are hitting that third sort of year and getting over the 50-game mark and developing the men. They're not kids anymore. Carrigan come back from that knee, outstanding again. Flegler's aggression, 
his offloads. Haas on the back of that now getting some help. Probably make him even more effective and you can manage him a little bit more. Reynolds over the top of that. And I know Martin had the busted hit, but again, just bring some stuff that I, I think that people wouldn't be able to appreciate without being on the ground now with some shape. Being able to link up with him out the back, push and direct. Like it, it's a real big thing when you've got someone there that can help out your seven. And his set ends um, outstanding. They've got strike centers like we know about. And then obviously Oates has formed in a contract year. And, and again, it's not convenience at all. Like he, he's wanted to stay there. He's tried to stay there. But his form, he's come back to playing some outstanding football. And it's complemented again by another big body on the other edge in Selwyn Cobber, who, let's be honest, had, a, to my opinion, a pretty poor start in the year. His first few games are very unconvincing, but in a wing spot, in a team that's playing well, getting some confidence in first grade, a bit like watching Swale, he's only a kid trying to take those yardage carries and get used to the physicality. When you finally find your feet and feel like you belong, starting to see Cobo now getting up for those aerial contests, throwing guys on the ground, being a lot more physical. So there's a lot of positive there's a lot. Good set starts, great number seven off the back of a young forward pack that's coming into its own. Real good signs for the Broncos. Mm. But Manly, um, yeah, I think from that one, again, more injuries, more concerns, and we've talked about it before. They just don't have the depth. They can't afford to have guys out and injured. So see what happens with them and the origin period coming. We know that's going to cost them at least three key players. So, uh, yeah, not ideal. The next game was an absolute fucking head-scratcher. South Warriors 32-30. And this, when you literally talk about a game of two halves, this was literally, again, one of those games of two halves. The yeah. Warriors in the first half, were not present at all. And South just absolutely torched them. Cody Walker pretty much got to find that confidence and play himself back into some form with how easy he made things look in the first half. Tavita Totola ran for almost 150 metres in the first half. And when Cook crashes over from a dummy half try and you get to 26-0, I was extremely worried that this was going to be another 50, 60-point shellacking for the Warriors. But in the second half, South went back to a little bit of what we've seen weeks prior. There was some the poor errors, 50-plus missed tackles. Discipline just went out the window. The Warriors get 60% of possession. They start to find some confidence. They find some points, and before you know it, they've got a man in the sin bin. They're kicking off with a minute to go, defending a two-point lead. Mm. Um, for Demetrio in the end, I don't know if he would have been happy, relieved. Like, I think I would have been super frustrated because looking at the first half, I'm going into halftime here going, like, let's really go on with this. Let's... Put a stamp here and kick our season forward from here. And they went out and yeah, basically... How many times this year have you seen them string two good halves together? Never. They've been lucky to string together 10, 15 good minutes. There you go. But this was a... Yeah, it was a head scratch of a game. I, at the first half, I had some confidence that this is a, a good sort of springboard. Then I left it probably feeling worse. Mm. Just conceding points so easily and pulling yourself out of a game and bringing the Warriors back, you know, the way they did. But... Um, yeah, I, I, don't, I still don't really know what to make of the South situation. I obviously can give some credence to the fact, like we said, you've got a num, young number seven working in with a guy there. You're missing a key player in Latrell. You've got Murray out. They've had a couple other guys uh, missing as well. Like you want some consistency around your spine. Having Latrell there certainly would take some pressure off Cody Walker, who's the man you're looking for at the moment in most situations. And I still don't think Cook, bar the Bulldogs game, has really been playing his best football, but... Um, it, it just is what it is. It's a situation they have to manage, and I guess it's probably summed up by someone again like Jacob Host, who goes through all the rehab, ticks all the boxes, and pops his shoulder straight back out first minute after they've brought him back from that exact same injury. Mm. The day started <laughs> off on a negative, looked really good, but um, it just seems week to week 
it's been a real roller coaster ride so far for South Sydney. For the Warriors, um, I'm trying to take whatever positive you can out of for the Warriors side of things. Probably the big positive is you get back a leader in Tohu Harris. He got through 30 minutes. They're taking it easy with him, but just inconsistency again from half to half, week to week. The Johnson situation so far has been really disappointing for me. I thought him going home after the experience at the Sharks and the bit of evolution in his game and that sort of fence being mended would be a good thing. Um, but I, I don't think he's had the desired impact or even close to what I think he would. And that's not saying he was going to suddenly turn them into some world beater, but I, I thought he'd have a lot more impact on the side than what he has. Um, Arcee's been quite impressive after coming over yeah, from the Cowboys. He has been, he has been good. He, he's had an impact the last few weeks, but... Yeah, just the change again. Like Egan out, Lussick over. They just never seem to have the same spine or edges week to week. Center wing combinations. Um, yeah, I, I don't know what to make of them. The only thing you know really consistently most weeks is that the two front rowers are going to lay a platform in Lodge and Fenua Blake. And Walsh gives you those glimpses of brilliance, but you'd like to see it all strung together. Johnson managing things. The pack laying a good platform. Less errors and inconsistency from your OBs and your edges. And, you know, if they completed high and played to the best of their ability, I think you'd you'd be quite impressed, but we're just yet to see it. It's, uh, yeah, tough carry, that one. Titans-Dragons, as a Titans man, how happy must you have been? I wasn't I was, super, I wasn't super. I know, you were a bit frustrated, but we were more frustrated talking about, this is the first time, sort of really questioned Holbrook a little bit with the fact that he left Campbell dwelling in Queensland Cup for these couple of weeks and probably summed up in the press conference when he admitted that AJ Brimson had been basically telling him that he has to be in the team for the last few weeks, and look what he did. Mm. He was the best player on the park. He's the smallest bloke on the park. He's got zero self-preservation at all, that bloke, but he's a freak. He's just like his dad. Yeah. yeah. I don't like using that reference, but that man, I, I saw Preston in real life when I was a 15-year-old when my old mate's dad was the head of security down there and thought, I could ragdoll this bloke. He's that small. His son may be a bit taller, but he's still anyway 70-something kilos. He is a freak. Yeah. Um, he was genuinely the difference in this game. I don't know what else to say. Well, both sides were... You know, pr- pretty pretty basic, and uh, given the conditions, you, you probably needed to be. Ben Hunt was kicking and controlling and trying to pin for you guys. Toby Sexton for a period, forced a couple of dropouts, set up a try, and it was very much a chess match and a basic game in the weather and the conditions, and wasn't the happiest day for some people. Like Tino had a huge impact on the game, but struggled with his hands and everything else. But out and out at the end of the day, Jaden Campbell is the sole reason for the Titans winning. Yeah. Um, some of the runs off scrums, the decision there when everyone was struggling with their setups off the scrum to get across their draw and the numbers, which gets a Zarko time in the corner. He had a couple of line breaks during the game with a lack of support that I thought probably could have turned into points, but he was just immense. He really was. Yeah. Um, yeah, I'm still <laughs> mind-boggled that I, I heard he was injured, but when I heard he's ended up playing cup for almost a month, that just rattles around for in my two, brain. I think it was for two weeks. That he wasn't in that side. Mm. Um, but yeah I don't know hopefully it's a bit of a springboard they've had a rough period but similar deal to like a Newcastle yeah. get a win and the Dragons like you said they're going to have to yeah string, string a yeah. long run of wins together to get themselves they've back put themselves in a bit of a hole that's for sure and same deal again you'd think for an origin period Tino's a, a walk up start mm. I think there's a possibility Moiaki's playing again as well so if they go to origin they lose a couple of guys it's it's not getting any easier in particular, their forward pack. Well, but. yeah, you, you, sometimes you you need to bring some youth and some enthusiasm in it that may spark a change. Uh, I'm not overly worried about Origin this year. I, 
David Feeder, he's another one. Yeah, well, we're, he's... we're not playing with him at the moment anyway, so... Nah. I don't know if he'll be involved. Um, for the Dragons, I guess, again, this the frustrating thing. You get three wins in a row and you eke a couple out and you're getting into that grind and then you have the, the blowout loss to Melbourne, which is a bit of reality check, but you saw effort for 55 minutes or so, scrambling and holding on. But in this game, I think the real clutch moment we talked about in the night, Lomax comes up with a real clutch kick from the penalty from the sideline then misses a bread and butter one mm. right next to the post. It was, um, yeah, that was a huge miss. Sort of those moments you look at and just like, man, and I know a lot of people are commenting on field goal set up, but neither of them could get it right in that weather. They were both terrible. pretty ordinary. So Campbell's moment there to kind of take it upon himself uh, rather than pop the shot off there is really much the difference in the game. Um, but moving on from that one, Panther Storm, anyone that listens, um, completely dominant, but 32-6, to six, the first half was a bit more of a contest, even though Panthers were pretty much in control, but Melbourne couldn't stop their back five. That was a big focus for them. I thought the back five were outstanding. Anytime a chase got down there, they seemed to break the first tackle, break contact, and then just roll from there. Um, they were great in the conditions. Nathan kicked and strangled. Luai was able to play freely off the back of it. Yo, huge influence again in between his balance of run and pass. Um, and, you know, Fish started the year slow with his knee. I thought that was one of his better games. Layout back in, better for another week and a run. <laughs> Overall for Penrith, I think that, that's your real positive, like we said. They've had that loss, but they got through that period without Toto, without Layota, with guys missing football, clearly building his way back in. They're heading to Origin in a, in a fantastic position. They're going to be able to rest these guys and try and prime themselves for the back end of the year. But they were dominant in the end, like 60-plus percent of the ball. Um absolutely strangled them. Melbourne could not get out of their own half. They whacked them in yardage. The only bloke who made any sort of dent on this game was Justin Ollam out of yardage. And again, you solved that carry out. And other than that, no, no one else was going anywhere. Melbourne were making errors, play three, four. The second half, we literally didn't watch them leave their half. No. No, can't there. I think Craig Bellamy pretty much summed it up in saying the only real positive to take out of the situation, given the circumstances, is that the second half, I think, was only 12 points. For all the defending. Yeah, we spoke about that before in the same so, um, If that was anybody else, Penrith win by 60, 70 points. But yeah, hoping, yeah. like you said, to see that one round 22 with Hughes, Pappenhausen. Don't know if Remus will be back. Welch was saying on the radio the other day that they're still hopeful that if his recovery goes well, he might be around for the back end of the year or finals time. Mm. Um, so those games I always really, really look forward to. But yeah, Penrith really dominant and putting a stamp on that one again I'm sure they love it any time they get to beat Melbourne and deservedly so moving on from that one Raiders Sharks this is more one of those ones where forget even the game I just sit there and go where the fuck's this been from Canberra that sort of effort that sort of enthusiasm three sin bins across the game at one stage two of the guys were off at the same time they were three minutes with 11 the way they defended, the way they turned up, I think Cronulla had the most tackles inside either half or 20 this year. It was like 60-plus. They just refused to, to, to give up. And we've seen some efforts this year from them where we're like, they've played 30 minutes or they're poor or they're disciplined and the care factor and what's going on. Then I see a game like that off the, the gritty win they had the week before. I'm like, where the fuck's this been? This is more of what you'd want or come to expect of some of the players they've got in their team. And I know there's some guys still injured at the moment, but they've still got plenty of talent. Um, so for them to turn up and do this to the Sharks on the flip side of that the Sharks a bit like Parramatta have been up and down the last few weeks in terms of where they played you look at what they did last week and think holy cow like, that's a great response off the back of a disappointing result to the Broncos for them to then turn up 
and dish up what they did considering I know they had some injuries but they got great coverage um, early on just set themselves on fire lack of discipline errors Canberra get out to a 20 0 lead and then just defend their absolute backsides off but this looked like the Brisbane game all over again with the they just refused to play straight Yeah, edge to edge they wanted to play touch football they didn't want to get involved in the dirty grimy side of the game um, and I think for Canberra if, if that's not a springboard to get your season going after a pretty average start I don't know what is, but, you know, to Pine, Papali, Schneider had close to his best game of his career. The story of Wolford is, is a great one, I guess, for the Canberra diehards and people in Canberra haven't been at that club. I know how absolutely much they love their own playing at the club and to see the moment between Zach and his dad, but it's just funny how it worked out because he was there for 20s. He wasn't kept. He's been floating around for four or five years playing cup and it got as low as Ron Massey, I think, last year. Mm. And then out of nowhere... Their hooking situation, they've obviously got a link with him and his dad. I'm pretty sure he might be back coaching in the local comp. He was there for a while before he went to England. Um, I don't know how that came about. I heard nothing about it. Debuts and has an absolute blinder. So if you're Canberra, you're stoked. That that's the way it worked out. Yeah, um, but the issue for Canberra has been consistency, consistency of effort. Yeah. And if that's the sort and of effort they're going to make. We've spoken about that all year, so... And that's why I look at that game and you're frustrated. You're like, if, if you even well, show... Well, you're not frustrated. You're extremely happy, but you're frustrated... With what... Yeah, but with what I watch, you, you want that You'd every be week. frustrated, very frustrated if they come out and play poorly on the weekend. Off the back of what I've just seen, 100%. Yeah. Um, but that has to be a springboard. That has to be the standard. If that's what they do moving forward, they will find themselves fighting for the bottom of the eight. Yeah. And that's where they should have been from the start. But Jack comes back this week off the back of those two games... Um, that's a real plus for them. Hudson Young was really, really good for them as well on the weekend. So hopefully, like I said, this is something they could build off. And Schneider, one of his better games. Uh, yeah, for Cronulla, injuries, that sort of concern. The, the Dale situation with the head knock, I talked about it when they were talking about Melbourne letting him go, that age is one thing, but I was concerned about the head knock situation. He's had two bad head knocks again this year. Yep. Um, he had a couple of extra weeks off for the first one, so you'd imagine... The situation they had with Wade Graham last year, they'd want to manage it pretty similar. So I don't know if we're going to see him in the next couple of weeks. They've got great cover in McInnes to come straight into that role, but that was always one thing where I was touch and go, that you know, when someone comes up and gives four years and big money, it, it's definitely not ability or leadership or culture. You can't put a price on those things, but this was definitely a concern they would have had to have taken in, and um, it's, it's reared its head pretty early. And you don't want to see the situation you saw. It was pretty sickening. No, definitely. We move on from that one as well. Roosters, Eels. Finally starting to see some of those signs from the Roosters that we've been waiting for in this game. Yeah, we're seeing similar signs from Parramatta, aren't we? In the... mm. Up and down like a fiddler's elbow. Win, loss, win, loss, win, loss. The last six from Parra. Beat Penrith. Lose to the Roosters. Get belted by the Cowboys. It's been a real mixed bag from them. But the Roosters, like lose to the Bulldogs, and you think, oh, that's... That's pretty low. Don't know what to take about the big Titans win last week with the way that they played, but this game here was the first time I can generally say I thought they led from the front and actually laid a platform in their middle. And when you lay that platform and you get rolling from the back end of the field, which I think Suwali, similar deal what we said before about a guy like Cobbo, he's been working hard, but I think that, that confidence has sort of hit. That was his best game. And they've just got moments players everywhere. They've got those special players. If you lay that platform like Jared did on the weekend, that was his best game of the year by far. And then you've got guys coming out of the backfield and you're getting good set starts and playing more direct. 
Manu injects himself, creates multiple line breaks. Suwali jumping over to score that try. Uh, you know, Tedesco always seems to rock up in these games against Parramatta. I think he scored five or six times in the last handful of the games they've played. Walker's moment, catching the fullback on the line, put the chip and chase in. You look at this, and this is sort of what we looked at when we talked about the Roosters in the preseason. There's that much talent on this mm-hmm. side that if they get all those basics right and they just hold on to the football, go forward, and these guys can put their stamp on it, they've got multiple guys that can have an influence on a game. Yeah, uh, It's still very early doors, but it's, it's one of the first real positive signs we've seen. And we'll get a real idea of how positive it was or how, I how true. I that far away. They've been pretty frustrating to watch, I mm. think. And probably more concerned with their go forward. This is the first game I actually really thought they did a good job in the back end and in the middle. Getting out of yardage and then jumping on the front foot. The Roosters, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I agree. So, yeah. real Penrith check theory. test comes this way. They play Penrith. When we saw them on Anzac Day, they were... Oh, fucking dreadful. Oh, they were just... Yeah, they, they didn't earn the right. They played side to side and they avoided the middle of the field. But Can't do it. Penrith this week. Uh, Radley's going to be missing at that unfortunate ankle injury. That could be a six to eight week sit, but this will be a real good gauge heading pre-origin about where they're at because Penrith is certainly not going to pull no punches against them, that's for sure. Yeah. Um, but yeah, like I said, some real good moments to talk about the other week. That right edge is going to be very exciting if it stays together. Are we also understating the fact that they didn't? a lot of their players didn't have a... Plenty of preseason games. Well, we've talked about it. They were yeah, going to build yeah. their way in, but when yeah. we, we, we were still, what we were seeing was very crunkly. They, clunky. Are they now in the top four? So it shows well, you sharks, even eels dropping games. Yeah, I, I, it just shows you that. Yeah, how how high our expectations probably were of the Roosters, and how I guess underwhelming they were to start. But you know, even despite that slow start, they're still. You know, in top four mix, which is a little scary if that development trajectory well, goes just, up. We're watching here, and this is one I saw. You, you, did you see the Dylan Brown shot? No, no, I didn't. This one here ended up getting no charge, and on the night was put on report it and like penalised. I thought it was just a hard hit with a bit of whiplash. And here they were worried they were going to get Sinbin as we look at the TV. But watching that live, I thought he's just fucking belted him. I didn't think he got contact with the head at all. The angles that I saw, I, I didn't think he hit him in the head. Mm. Uh, but when you say no charge come down and nothing come of it, well, that pretty much confirms it, doesn't it? First contact's with the head. Well, I can't really see from that. I could. <clears throat> well, he didn't get charged. So that surprised me. But <clears throat> Yeah, uh, for Parramatta, slow start again. Brad Arthur's frustrated with that, but good fight back. Moses... The try he scored was a perler. Had his hand in there earlier as well when he cut through. The form of Isaiah Papali. I, if I'm Parramatta, if, if I'm a fan of Parramatta, I'm filthy that we weren't more involved in that earlier or probably, to me, a little bit more respectful in the contract situation. What they offered and where they got to, I, I think they're going to regret that move. Mm-hmm. Um, now they're in a situation where Madison was pretty much a guy they weren't looking at. With the guys they've now lost, they're now back in the mix for Madison, but his form was so much so that they've brought six clubs into the mix, so they're not going to exactly get him for a cut price deal now either. But I think for the Tigers right now, two guys you got coming next year, and I know it's a long way away, but Isaiah Papali and Api Koresh, yeah, you'd be very happy with those purchases. Very happy. Yeah. yeah. Um, but Papali, huge. Brown was good again as well. Moses. Uh, but yeah, for them, slow start. Pants pulled down, and we just see that seesaw that we talked about. Knock off Penrith, knock off Melbourne, but a loss to the Cowboys, a loss to the Roosters. 
it's just that consistency for them. And then come finals time, I guess, getting it done across that month. Mm. Um, we certainly know we've got good football in them, but yeah, just got to see it more often. And the last one we've got here, Cowboys-Tigers. thought this is another one of those games where there was some fight from the Tigers, a bit like Newcastle gave the Cowboys the other week. But the most impressive thing for me is they are just relentless defensively. Relentless. Mm. They do not go away. Their line speed, their intent, play one, two. The kicks they put down in yardage and bring you out of, they just bash the shit out of you. Um, he has certainly got all those little things that we talk about that are free into their game. They respect the football. They defend hard. Their line speed's great. They're aggressive. They want to win the contact. They want to bash you in yardage. They're relentless with where they place their kicks and where they hand over the football. They're a good football side. Um, yeah, no, no doubt. And a hard situation, obviously, for the Tigers when you lose Brooks, you lose Simpkin, etc. But it just always felt like a matter of time regardless of what was going on in the game before the Cowboys got them. And they, they got some points in the back end. And we see that the ever-development of their attack, Townsend's freed up Dearden to run, which has made him more dangerous. We've talked about Drinkwater being in the back, having those extra strings to his bow, the way he's sort of getting Hammer in and out at the moment. I know that's probably hard for him, but he, he wouldn't want to have Hammer out of the side altogether because he's a hell of a talent. Hickel and Holmes in the centres have been great for helping their defence on the edges and their decision-making. Um, Torlagi's a guy I mentioned last year as someone I'd consider for origin. This year, I'd be definitely considering for origin. As far as I'm concerned, Holmes is going to be a left centre. I'd pick Torlangi as your left winger. Yeah, it's, it's hard to argue. I more made Based the argument form, last year that argue. when he played centre or wing, defensively for them, he was the one shining light and what was really, really poor. And obviously, the outside back options they had weren't great. We knew that Muli Tala on the end didn't end up being an option, but even compared to someone like Coates, who I really like at Melbourne, um, you want to talk about yardage, defensive game, jumping contest, this, that, and the other. I, I think Tall Ugly at this point, skill set's better than his. Mm. Um, and you've got a real argument there. People are saying you could pick both the Broncos wingers or you could pick both the North Queensland wingers. I, I completely agree with that. But if you're going to do a split of the combinations, I, I just think the left side thing's a no-brainer. If Holmes is going to be a left centre, I'd pick Tall Ugly next to him and keep that combination. Yeah, The form justifies it. The partnership... Um, is, is a natural combination and it's one like, again when you can get those little things in there I think they're all positives yeah correct. but another great result um, for the Cowboys and similar like the Roosters coming against Penrith this week they're coming against Melbourne Melbourne's named Hughes I, I don't think that's how they're going to run out there there was talk it was going to be a four week injury I'm very surprised they even named him um, to be honest so I'll be interested to see what happens there but Nelson's out Papenhausen's out Remus is still out if Hughes is out as well I know it's it's not the full Situation, but if you're heading to this to the Cowboys and you're a serious contender, as far as I'm concerned, you need to beat Melbourne. If those players are missing, I don't think I don't think so. <clears throat> I think they've done enough to cement themselves as a finals team. I'm I'm not sure they're a team that could just expect to beat Melbourne. I'd like to see them compete with Melbourne. I think I think they'll definitely more than compete if those guys are out, but. Um, I'm interested more very we'll see. Interested, we'll see. interested about the Hughes thing and then if that doesn't play out what the reshuffle is but I, I, I really think they're building into a team that will want to compete with teams like that at the end of the year mm. well I think they've proved a point somewhat against Parra so certainly at the moment they are well Par- Parramatta are not Melbourne no no on but a week they, they beat basis. Melbourne but yeah. I'm just saying they touched up yeah Parra. in a one off game they beat yeah, Melbourne I know. Yeah. but looking forward to watching that one the Tigers uh, Brooks, that injury, I don't know how long, but I thought Hastings was good again. Repeat sets, he's in every effort just all the time. He's a real positive for them, um, a real, real big positive. I think depending on what happens with Brooks next year and the impact he sort of had with him, 
added another guy that we talked about, Arby Coruscant, who for the first time in a long time give them someone around the ruck and a bit more control and take pressure off them. What happens with Laurie? There's talk about his contract situation. Do they end up having Dewey move back there if he moves on? They, they could potentially end up with a pretty handy spawn. Yeah. Um, but again, that's down the road, but that wraps up the reviews of the games from the weekend. We'll jump into our tips and previews brought to you by bluebet.com.au. If you're going to have a bet on the footy, there is no one better to do it than a bluebet.com.au. Download the app today or visit the website. Charity bet, you announced, obviously, while we were doing that game live on Hijack TV, was Yowie, who I think got the three daily endpoints for that game and had a fairly big game, <laughs> yeah, but he, he certainly didn't score, unfortunately. So we didn't end up with any cash over from that. Uh, hopefully we bounce back this week. The balance still $322.50. And for this round on all NRL games, if you back a team head-to-head and they lead by six points or more at halftime, Blue Bet will pay you out as a winner up to $100 in winnings. Lead by six at halftime and you win. Terms and conditions apply. Gamble responsibly. You've got to love a bit of that. Action. Getting your cash early if you lead by six. Thank you, bluebet.com.au. Uh, tips last week, diabolical, three piece. There were some upsets, mm. some definitely results that people didn't see coming. I think I ended up getting five actually because I changed my tips later in the week. So. Yeah, well, <clears throat> situation we deal with early in the week, but let's yeah. look at this week now. The first game, Knights up against the Broncos in Newcastle for Thursday night. You got the. What's going on here? Sorry, they've got that above. Newcastle with Dan Gagai added into the squad, likely to return in the centres there. If so, he'll replace Anari Tuala more than likely. Frizzell is back. Milford set to debut. He has not played since September last year. And surprise, surprise, up against his former club. Tamari Martin was meant to be under an injury cloud, but he's been named. So we'll have to see what happens there. Cobo likely to shift the fullback if that situation plays out. And they've also confirmed that Adam Reynolds is going to play despite a leg problem, but he may not goal kick. Uh, so... Who do you like in this one? I'm, I'm going to be sticking with the Broncos, Newcastle. Yeah. Confidence-boosting win and getting some troops back on board, but wouldn't expect them to be firing on all cylinders, especially with a new halves combination and a bloke that's only been there for a few weeks. Yeah, I agree. Um, but, yeah, the forward pack's been playing great as well. Frizzell back now in with Barnett. Fitzgibbon has been back for a few weeks. Clemmer playing good footy and Safidi. Wanted to push for origin. Um, this is a huge game, I think, in particular for Daniel Safidi and any origin hope he has to play against his forward pack. He's up against Haas, who is a teammate the Origin team, and some guys that are probably going to get picked for Queensland or potentially the mix in Carrigan and Flegger. This is a real big week for him. But with bluebet.com.au, 285 are the Knights. The Broncos, $1.42, minus 6.5 is the line. 1 to 12 Knights, 390, 290 for the Broncos, 13 plus 690 for the Knights, 275 for the Broncos. Dogs up against the Tigers. Um... Looking at this one, what do you say? A couple of guys missing Bulldog situation this week and it's not looking any better. Talk today, a lot of the players who got the flu, Matt Burton, Josh Adokar, are in doubt to play as well. They're going to be monitored throughout the week and given every chance. Fatala Mariner is very close to making a return and it's likely he may get a chance this week, if not, play some cup and come back in. And for the Tigers, Brent Naden, who swapped this week instantly within 24 hours, has been named in this side and is on the bench, maybe being a late inclusion, which would either push Gildart or possibly uh, Tyron Peachy back to the bench. And Farmanu Brown, a guy that I really like to come through the junior system, he spent some time over the Super League, did a pre-season with the Roosters. He's been picked up by the Tigers. 
he's in their seven in this week. So obviously with the injury to uh, Brooks and then losing Simpkin, I guess he's on the bench there for half and hooker cover. He come through more as a hooker. Sort of played some six more of the years over there, but I always really liked him as a, as a, as a nine, to be honest. So that's an interesting pickup for them. Luke Garner goes back to the back row. Come with Tulagi back to the bench, so fair bit of change there. But uh, I, I think for the Bulldogs situation, usually after a coach has moved on, you sort of see a response. But, yeah, I, I don't know. I didn't like what I saw last week. Don't like the fact that a player's left in less than 24 hours and then you're talking about guys being sick. I think I'm just going to steer clear of the Bulldogs for now. I'm going to go with my dog. You're going with Potsy? I'm going with Potsy. <clears throat> yeah, I'm not really... I don't have 1-0, no, Pots. I've got no confidence in all in this game, but it's at Leichhardt. Um, 6 o'clock. And I'll, I'll stick with the Tigers for now, but I shan't be betting on this game. And the odds with bluebet.com.au. The Tigers are $1.55 favourites. The dogs two dollars forty five four and a half is the line, one to twelve Tigers two ninety five three sixty the dogs thirteen plus for the Tigers is three dollars six twenty for the Bulldogs. Para versus Manly, the old rivalry. Ryan Madison has earned a start at lock. Nathan Brown goes back to the bench. Mike Acevo is named in the extended squad, but Brad Arthur more than confirmed today that he'll likely play fifty minutes or so in New South Wales Cup, returning from that ACL. So they're not looking to jump the gun there. For Manly, Tom Trevojevic has been named to start despite watching him limp around the way he did last week. Ben Trevojevic is out of that shoulder. Morgan Harper comes back in. And Josh Schuster has been named on the bench. So interesting to see if he returns. But going off the law of averages for Parramatta week on, week off, I think they'll be looking for a better response. I think Manly will definitely be better as well. Um, but playing at home Friday night after a poor performance last week, um, I think they'll want to get a win. And I think they're more than likely to get a win in terms of the consistency of these two teams yeah, so far. Paramount. So, bluebet.com.au agree. A dollar thirty-seven favourite are para. Manly are three ten. Minus seven and a half is the line. One to twelve para, two eighty-five, four forty for Manly. Thirteen plus para, two forty, eight seventy for Manly. Dragons, Warriors. This is a pretty bloody hard game to pick and really confused again by... Anthony Griffin, but Cody Ramsey has come out of nowhere to be promoted to start at fullback after Terrell Sloan got, or Tyrell Sloan got his run again for the first time last week, who's now been completely dropped into the reserves. Francis Milo's brother, Michael Milo, who is the man of the match in the Queensland Cup Grand Final for North Devils, will make his debut off the bench. And for the Warriors, Ewan Aikens good to go after a week off with concussion. Chanel Tavita Harris and Jesse Arthurs are not expected to play even though they've been named on the bench. And Tohu Harris has been named to return to the starting side. So some potential late changes maybe uh, on the side of the Warriors things, but we'll see what happens there. Uh, in terms of the Dragons, yeah. To I don't understand the Sloan situation when you brought him back in last week. I thought, again, it's a period here where you might stick with him for a bit, but he's out and Rams is in. Yeah, it's, yeah. I don't agree with that. I just think again, like we said before, if you're gonna have Sullivan, I know, I know he had some. He had a couple of key errors at the end of the game. Yeah, but it's one game. Yeah, he's a kid. Stick with him, or fucking make him play a cup for the year. And he's done the same thing with Ramsey. And then they've had Lomax play a little bit there last year. Like you need to settle on something. And then like we said about him, by why he was solid, it's not a long term solve. Mm. So, fucking hell, like I'm. 
Yeah, I don't know. If you got Sullivan, Amon, and him in the mix, like I said, that's your way forward. So stick with them and play. Yeah. But another change again this week. Like, flip a coin on this one. I think at least the Dragons, you know what you're going to get most weeks, which is gritty, ugly, good kicking game for Ben Hunt, uh, pretty solid defensively. The Warriors, you can get absolute dog shit, or you can get them playing red hot. You can get them rolling. You can get them offloading. They probably blew this game against them in round one, to be fair. Mm. But it's 3 o'clock on a Saturday, possibly dry conditions, and it's a home game uh, at Net Strata or Cogra for the Dragons. So who do you like in this one? I'll go the Dragons. But I really don't know what to make of the Warriors. Um, Just, yeah. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. Yeah, it's again, I'm, I'm just trying to make haste to this. So Ramsey's now starting at fullback. Francis Molo in jerseys 18 is in, so whoever was wearing 10, I don't know who that was, is out completely. Jack Kazuski is now starting in the back row. Woods is on the bench. Molo's brother's named on the bench. Um, yeah, like I said, I I, th- I I should just be sticking with the Dragons, but I'm going to take the Warriors again. No idea what, but I'm, you know, i got problems. So there you go. Bluebet.com.au odds for this one. $1.52 favorite of the Dragons, two fifty five for the Warriors. Minus four and a half is the line. One to 12 Dragons, two seventy five three ninety for the Warriors. 13 plus Dragons, three fifteen five eighty for the Warriors. Cowboys Storm, hopefully... A cracker game of football. No changes expected for the Cowboys. And uh, like we said, this could add to a winning run of six games in a row if they beat the Melbourne Storm. For the Storm, Hughes has been named to return. Smith pushes in a prop with Nelson Asafa Solomona out injured. He could revert back to the bench if they decide to start Tui, but um, I guess first game back, not sure that happened. Interested more so to see, like I said, though, if Hughes does play. Uh, they've got Wishart at one at the moment. That's also not a guarantee. Could still see a situation there where he's moved to the bench and Meany to the back or he's out of the side altogether. And this may be the week that we finally see the All Black Sevens player, Will Warbrick, who's in the squad again. Cooper Johns is also on the extended squad again. Um, and the bench changes are interesting. Dean Aramaya, who's a winger, being named in 15. That really doesn't make sense to me. So I think there's going to be a late reshuffle. Alec McDonald gets a run again. With Nelson missing, so I, yeah, I don't know the final makeup, but I think there's going to be some changes for Melbourne. I really do. Um, with that being said, I'm going to tip an upset. It's up there at North Queensland. I'm not confident that Hughes is going to be playing on those other guys missing, and Nelson being out hurts as well. So I, I don't think you're going to get a better opportunity for the Cowboys at home against a team like Melbourne. Yeah, I'll be tipping Melbourne. <clears throat> Uh, and the odds with bluebet.com.au. The Cowboys, $2.60. The Storm, $1.50 favorite. Minus five and a half the line. One to 12 Cowboys, three eighty. Melbourne, two eighty. Thirteen plus Cowboys, six forty. And the Melbourne Storm, 13 plus is two ninety four. Roosters, Panthers, another cracker game. Uh, Radley missing from this one, unfortunately, this week. But Nat Butcher comes in. Lindsay Collins back from suspension. Connor Watson... Starts at hooker again for the second week, but potentially a late change with Drew Hutchison, but he's going to get another run under his belt. For Penrith, there is no changes expected, and Ivan Cleary should hopefully be back on deck this week after uh, having surgery and missing the last two games. But again, I think this is a real good gauge for where the Roosters are at, 7.30 Saturday night at the SCG. I'll be sticking with the Panthers, but I- I hopefully we get a good account from the Roosters here to give us some 
hope moving forward that uh, they are what the, what they are what we think they are. Yeah, I'm going with Penrith. But for now, yeah, you can't get away from the Panthers. Um, different step up in class altogether. And Bluebet.com.au agrees three seventy for the Roosters, a dollar twenty eight for the Panthers. Uh, minus nine and a half is the start. Four ninety one to twelve for the Roosters. Two ninety for the Panthers. Thirteen plus eleven dollars for the Roosters. Two dollars fifteen for the Panthers. And Sunday closes out with a couple of uh, tough clashes at Dubbo. Souths up against the Raiders, hitting the road, heading out country. Uh, for Souths, a force change. I guess, you know, just having a bit of a bad run there with some injuries. Harme Sello is in the reserves and close to return. Could replace David Mowale. Uh, but Jacob Host popped that shoulder out. He's been replaced by the man who debuted the other week, Trent Peoples. So obviously they've got him registered now. There was apparently a bit of an issue the other week um, with him playing or whether he's in their top squad or not in that whole situation. But Canberra, White returns from his too-much ban. Brad Schneider is the man to make way in the halves. So there you go. thought Schneider was pretty good last week, but they've stuck with Matt Frawley in that consistent kicking game. Probably not a bad thing to put next to Jack to free him up. Frawley can certainly be a good steering wheel. Adam Elliott's been named as the 18th man, and he's not expected to come in. And Zach Wolford looks like he's going to share the hooking duties again. Again, uh, difficult one, and don't know what you're going to get out of either of these sides, but after what I've seen the last couple of weeks, I'm going to go the Raiders to continue on their way. I don't trust either of these teams. So yeah, me either. This is one of those ones I look at again and go, I certainly won't bet on it, but yeah, it's, it's, it's hard to gauge. But last week I thought was a real good sign for Canberra. Hopefully they can back it up. South just haven't seen it. it Consistent performance, let alone just patches across games. But yeah, Blue Bet have them slight favourites. A dollar fifty-five for Souths, two forty-five for the Raiders. Minus five and a half the line. One to twelve Souths, two ninety, three seventy for the Raiders. Thirteen plus two ninety-five for Souths, six forty for the Raiders. And the round closes out with your Gold Coast Titans looking to continue the roll against the Cronulla Sharks, who've been up and down like fiddlers over the last couple of weeks. So. Looking at this one, Greg Marju, Brian Kelly, and Pat Herbert are amongst the reserves, uh, but not named, so stuck with the change he had last week. And uh, Isan Masters potentially could be a laid out, so Kelly and Herbert are more likely to replace. And for the Sharks, a debut at fullback. Lachlan Miller, the Australian sevens player, comes in, Hines shifts back into the halves with Way. Oh, sorry, not Wayne Grant, Matt Moylan. And this is a very interesting story because Lachlan Miller apparently has absolutely been braining New South Wales Cup and there's been interest, surprise, surprise, for multiple clubs. But one in particular made a phone call a few weeks ago and were aptly told, no, he's got a two-year deal. They might let him go at the end of the year to take up an opportunity, but not right now. One of those clubs was the Bulldogs. Mm. So apparently he's been going great guns and clearly they think so. He gets the debut at fullback. Uh, Wade Graham's been promoted to start in the back row after playing for the last few weeks and... Building back up, Teague Wilton is pushed back to the bench and Cameron McInnes replaces uh, Dale Finucane, who's obviously probably going to miss a couple of weeks after that shocker of a head knock. Can your boys win at home, Brock, and make it two in a row? Doubt it. <laughs> I'm going with the Sharks as well, despite yeah. last week's performance. But, uh, yeah, at this point in time, again, you have to have a little more faith, I guess, in the Sharks and you do what you've seen from the Titans for now. But Correct. this is, uh, again, good gauge for them. And rightfully so, outsiders with bluebet.com.au, $2.75 are the Titans. 
Sharks a dollar forty five minus six and a half the line, one to twelve for the Titans three ninety two ninety five for the Sharks thirteen plus for the Titans six ninety two seventy five for the Sharks. So differences this week: Warriors Dragons, Storm Cowboys, and Dogs Tigers. So we should have some point of difference there. Perfect. Charity bet? Anything to take your fancy? I. I like the cow. I don't, again, I honestly don't mind the Cowboys at two sixty. I don't mind the Raiders at two fifty either. But there's not much else that probably jumps out to me in terms of odds. If you're going with Potsy and the Dogs, you can get two forty five. Mm. But we'll figure that one out, I guess, later in the week. So a big thanks again to BlueBet.com.au. Don't forget about uh, that offer, obviously there that if you lead. Head to head by six points or more at half time. Pay you out as a winner up to $100. Lead by six at half time. You win. Terms and conditions apply. Gamble responsibly. Bluebet.com.au. Download the app today. Visit the website. Thank you to them supporting the charity bet. Please give us a winner this week. The Tamalolo one, it really hurt the other week. That could have been almost 400 straight up into the kitty, but we got burned. We need to get back on the horse this week. Thanks to Jake and the Penrith Solar Center. There's no one better. Contact them today. 1800 30 www.penrithsolar.com.au and hijack.tv. Download that app from the Google Store or the Apple Play Store. Anyone that listened across the weekend, we've got plenty of feedback, some good comments going on in our discussion group, Boxhead. Um, not sure this weekend with football and work how that'll pan out, but again, if we have time to get a game, we'll hopefully give at least 24 hours notice. And uh, if so, get on board, Hijack TV. Download the app, listen along, have a beer, have a laugh. Sounds good. But that wraps us up for another week here on the fifth and last NRL podcast. As always, thank you for listening. Hope everyone is doing well. And for now, enjoy your week and enjoy your rugby league. Bring it on. Give us more. Give us more. Where are you going? Where, what, 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 what's going on here? Is that it? Is that it? Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.